we are really expecting um, just a lot in this next season of life and church and ministry. How many of you agree God has something so much more than what we've started to even scratch the surface in your life, in your heart, in your home, in your legacy? Um, can I get an amen? A declaration, yes, so be it, over our children, our children's children. Uh, we want to we really go forward in that. And I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm very excited about sharing these five weeks that we have ahead. We did something last year, and uh, it was a discipleship emphasis. We're constantly looking at how we can more effectively make disciples and not just attract consumers. How many of you know we live in a society where church has been reduced to attracting a bunch of consumers, and we just try and keep them fed enough and entertained enough that they'll hopefully keep coming back? But we really want to grow deeper, every one of us growing deeper, one step forward. Today in worship, I was just standing there in worship, and I just, I just took a step forward on purpose and just said, Lord, I just want to take a step today. And I want to encourage you today, take a step in your faith, in your walk with God. Whatever that looks like, it'll be different for every person wherever you are. But last year when we introduced this, I realized once we got into it, it was too significant just to begin sharing with new families coming into the church. So we purposed that this fall uh, we would do this congregationally wide uh, for five weeks. And then next fall it will be once again a discipleship focus that we invite new families in. And you'll know what we're talking about when we're talking about it. We're sharing the five most transformational ideas God has entrusted to our care as a church. We've really watched unique transformation take place. You know, I come from, Tracy and I come from two different backgrounds. She grew up in church. Um, when she was born, smacked her on the rear, she started speaking in tongues. I wasn't like that. Um, when, when I, uh, you know, when I grew up and started into my teen years, I kind of lost my way and lost my way big time. Got strung out on drugs and all the things that, you know, came with that in my life. A couple of overdoses. And, uh, and finally came to the realization that that life has nothing for me. We believe that God can change a person's life. Can I get an amen in this place? <laughs> God can change a person's life. And we also believe life-controlling problems aren't always big, you know, easy to define life-controlling problems. I promise you, everybody in this room is addressing and dealing with tendencies and propensities that are trying to take you down the wrong path, and you need to address those effectively. How many of you agree? And so what we want to do is equip you to do that. And so in the course of these five weeks, we're going to see what the five things have been that really have empowered people to experience transformation on an entirely different level. Uh, the first book I wrote is really a great progression of a 180-degree turnaround, and you can get those in the lobby, and all the proceeds uh, go to, to help families in need. So uh, I would encourage you to get that, to learn about the process of change and transition, and we'll talk a little bit about that in these times together. But each week, I want to celebrate somebody or a family that has experienced amazing transformation in this process and in this journey. And so today, I want to talk to you about a young man. He was 15 years old when he got introduced to the system by being arrested for the very first time. Went through uh, quite a broken path uh, for several years on this journey finally came to know Jesus, actually was invited to attend our church, and the first Sunday 
that he attended our church, he came up and grabbed my arm right after the service, and he said, will you be my mentor? I need to have a mentor. I mean, he was just so hungry, it was almost irritating. Anybody ever been there before? So hungry for more, putting a demand on me. Like, I don't even know you, and you're trying to put a demand on me. And we developed a relationship, actually traveled in a few ministry trips together. He's grown and become a part of the leadership structure of our church now. Here's this uh, kind of redemption picture, his before and after, if you will. And uh, this is Chris Goodson sitting right over here to my right. And we just want to celebrate the transformation that's happened in his life. I snagged a few pictures uh, from Facebook, and the next one shows uh, kind of his, you know, this is a picture we took in the church as he was beginning to grow deeper, just a deeper passion. And then the next picture shows um, Rita, the love of his life, who was actually baptized in our most recent baptism service, and uh, she's sitting right next to this man, and we are actually celebrating they are getting married this week. So come on. We're really happy for you guys. We love you both so much. I want you to know, no matter what you have faced, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this statement over that I'm about to make because something in my heart is really being awakened as I'm making this statement. And I want to make it from a statement, <clears throat> from a strength and from a perspective that carries weight, that releases anointing, that destroys the yoke of bondage. We really do have the capacity and the ability to learn to live free lives. Jesus didn't die so we could merely go to church. Jesus died to empower us to be the anointed church that breaks the bondages in the world everywhere we go, everywhere we work, everywhere we walk, everywhere we shop. And I want to encourage you to know today, there is hope for you no matter what the patterns of your life have been. God wants to take you deeper. God wants you to be stronger. God wants you to possess an anointing that he designed you to possess so that you will walk that out in your everyday life. And you have to awaken those things in your own heart. How many of you know God gives to us as a possession? Have you ever read that verse of Scripture? Struck me when I read that once. God gives to us as a possession. How many of you know God provides for the, the sparrow? But how many know he doesn't drop it in the nest? God gives to us as a possession. So I'm just asking you today, are you hungry to go where God wants you to go? Like, really, are you hungry? Because I believe... I believe an appetite for more is a gift from God. And how we handle that gift determines if that appetite gets increased or if we wane in that appetite and he has to awaken it once again. So come on. I just, there's just something that we need to pray into uh, this morning. I want you just to open your heart. Just open your mind. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this place. We invite you into this room. We invite you into our thinking, into the way we think, into the mechanisms that make us think certain things. And I believe that today is a day that you are demolishing strongholds that have held entire legacies captive. Help us, Lord, not to bypass the Goliaths 
in our lives to our children, but may we slay them and declare it today in the name of Jesus. There's a line that we draw in the sand, and there's a new legacy. It's not a legacy of the absence of the blessing, but it is a a legacy of the presence of the blessing that our children and our children's children will possess and experience because we chose to release that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We must cultivate the rhythms of the Spirit. There is rhythm of the Spirit. And I want to take you to an understanding of some things that I've kind of talked about over the years. And again, one of the most transformational ideas that God's entrusted to our care. But you need to understand God is a God of rhythm. God is a God of rhythm. You actually have a God-given rhythm that is born from his DNA. How many know some people in the room have better rhythm than other people? But I will guarantee you, if the right song comes on, then uh, you can become an instant performer. Anybody, Anybody relate? You know, I used to play lead guitar in these 80s uh, metal bands back in the day. So when, uh, when Journey comes on and, you know, don't stop believing, I mean, that's all about the faith as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying. I mean, when I, I'll be in a store or something, I'll hear the right song, and I just want to start, you know, I mean, I, you know, just something gets awakened when the right song comes on. There's this rhythm that exists within you. And, and I want you to understand, you come by it very naturally. The Bible actually says, and if you'll track this, I'm going to walk this out with you. You know, we're, the, the handouts are now back by the um, communion stations as you're coming in. So I hope you grab those as you were uh, coming in, because I'm going to walk you through some of these verses. Psalms 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Now, you understand the Bible was not written in English. We've translated it to English. So the Old Testament is primarily Hebrew. And this Hebrew word that translates word is a really interesting word. In fact, what we're going to see is in the next verse, it doesn't translate word. It translates songs. In Psalms 137, verse 3, for there are captors asked us for songs. It's the same Hebrew word that we saw in Psalms 33, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. It's interesting to me that that word translates four times as singing in Scripture, not just speaking, but singing. And we know that in Zephaniah 3.17, the Bible actually says that God our Father sings over us. How many of you know as parents, it's a common thing for us to sing over our children? And He is our Father, and He sings over us. So we have this singing God who by His Word spoke all of creation into existence, and that word, word, translates four times as singing, I submit to you that I believe rhythm exists in the universe because God didn't merely speak the world into existence. I believe God sang the world into existence, and he's initiated this perpetuating rhythm, rhythmic motion. If we go all the way out, we see it in the galaxies and the solar systems and this rotation that's taking place, and everything has a rhythm. And if we go all the way in, we see on a small molecular level. Everything, electrons, and this whirling and swirling and all matter of the universe. It's incredible when we really start to evaluate all matter of the universe is actually, think about it, 99% empty space. 
I'll give you an illustration to help you get your head around that because that was kind of hard for me. But if the nucleus of a single atom were enlarged to the size of a marble, electrons would be specks of dust a half a mile away. So everything that exists in the physical actually is 99% empty space. In other words, all that God sang into existence, he did so creating it with all this empty space within the matter. What exists in that empty space? This is what exists. Science tells us all these things. Intelligence, frequency, and rhythm. Those are the things that exist in that empty space. So what you have to understand is that you also, on a cellular level, You have all this empty space, and in you is this intelligence and this frequency and this rhythm that's trying to discover what it's all about. There are certain rhythms to any relationship. There's a rhythm to coming to church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling. So here we are gathering again. Why do we have to go to church frequently? Why do we have to go to church consistently? Because it's a perpetual rhythm of the Spirit that is awakening something within our hearts as we gather to worship. We gather and we receive communion. We gather and we bring our tithes and our offerings. We gather and we bring our worship to the Lord our God. We gather and we bring our loving hearts and our serving attitudes in Jesus' name. Come on, let's gather right now and celebrate this King together in our gathering. He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords that is wanting to awaken rhythms of strength and life in us today. I want more of what God has in store. And all the rhythm that exists within us. I, I watch you, because I'll be up here and I'll, I'll say, you know, and here's what's happening at Destiny or whatever the, the day may be. And then the music will come on and I watch you and you all start doing the same thing. Y'all start moving. When the music hits, so, some of y'all move more than others, but you all got it in you. Because God put it in you because it exists in God. And there's this incredible creativity that exists within us that's not just about the con, you know, conventional ideology. And we've done people a great disservice in the body of Christ because people like me, pastors that stand up on a Sunday, have tried to cue everybody in to this tiny little fit and try and make you something you're not. And in doing so, it just fuels the fire of inadequacy. It never embraces your creativity. And God's creative enough to make each individual uniquely them. I don't want you to be uniquely somebody else. I want you to explore and understand uniquely you and how God made you that way and why God made you that way. But here's the problem. The Bible is more like music than it is like math. Think about all that I'm talking to you about and it starts to make sense. The Bible is more like music than it is like math, but religion tries to reduce the Bible to almost mathematical do's and don't equations. But there's something about two plus two that's four that doesn't hit me here. I don't know about you. If it does, you probably don't want to raise your hand or admit that because it shouldn't. But there are certain verses of Scripture. How many have ever heard a verse of Scripture and it was a Scripture that saw you through a difficult time and it really went deep when you heard it? And maybe you began to just meditate on it, kind of like you would a song. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that that scripture starts to produce something in you of a rhythmic cooperation with who God is because that's what God's designed you for, to experience something from him that you express something from him into the world around you. You're not supposed to be demanded upon to have an expression without an experience. He wants you to have an experience that produces an expression. That's authentic Christianity, folks. 
Come on. You can help me clap in anything you want. Let's just agree. Let's declare it. I want more. You want more. We want more. You've probably had those amazing encounters with God, like amazing encounter with God, and, and then it's like later, whatever happened to that amazing encounter? You know, it's a youth camp encounter that many times students go off to youth camp or kids camp, and they have this amazing encounter, and then a few months later, you know, we're kind of calmed down again. And, and I believe God wants us to actually take every encounter and understand its value for the perpetuating motion that he brought it into our life to release. Let me explain it uh, this way. When an encounter with God is coupled with a sustainable rhythm, long-term transformation will result. It's not about living from encounter to encounter. I want, you know, we love encounters with God. We're not against encounters with God. You need to have encounters with God. But you need to understand, encounters are given on purpose. And an encounter without a sustainable rhythm becomes a fading memory to your life when it should be an equipping, empowering, establishing you deeper in your relationship with the Lord. Our goal is not merely to inspire you enough to get you to attend church. Our goal is to inspire you and empower you to learn what it is to be a self-feeder in the kingdom of God. If you are only eating spiritually when somebody else is feeding you, then you are spiritually malnourished. And I believe God wants to awaken a deeper hunger within us to go into that and to grow into that and to understand His plan and His desire in this regard. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, I don't want to just blaze through verses and make my points so that we can get out of here. I want us to really experience what God's wanting to deposit right now. And so I want you to hear this. This is, we all know we want to live by the Spirit, right? If I said that, how many of you want to live by the Spirit? We would all, absolutely. But if I said, how many want to keep in step with the Spirit? There's, there's a little different rhythm being introduced there. And, and this is kind of a funny analogy, but Lexi, poor, poor girl, has shorter legs than the rest of our family. And we all kind of have longer legs, and we've just come back uh, from Universal Studios for her graduation birthday trip, and, and we're, you know, uh, you, you got to, you know, we walked 20 miles in two days on, on this, this trip, and, uh, and, you know, we were like, let's go, okay, we're going to go ride the Hulk roller coaster, okay, let's go, we're going to go do, and so we're, you know, we're taking steps like this, and, and because Lexi's uh, legs are a little shorter, we're taking steps like this, and she's taking steps like this. She's trying to keep up. And so she's like two steps per every one of dads. And, uh, and it's kind of hard for her to, to, to keep up. You understand? You've got to learn what it is to keep in step with the Spirit. I promise you this. God will never go too fast and God will never go too slow. And we need to not run ahead and we need to not lag behind. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, it is time to go. Other times he is saying, don't just do something, stand there. And we live in such a capable society that we just fix our own problems and we really don't need God's help until we need God's help and then we're desperate because we've been fixing our own problems. Why is it that every time we have a need, we go and try and solve the problem and fix the need and, and then pray and ask God to help us after we get ourselves in a, in a worse fix? Why is it that when you need another car that you just go figure out how to buy another car and you don't pray and ask God to provide? 
What could God do if we began to pray? You have not because you ask not. God wants to awaken something of a rhythm of the Spirit within our lives where we're not only walking in the Spirit, but we're keeping in step with the Spirit. And just because you can doesn't mean you should, so don't always do whatever it is you can do. Well, I I lost this job, I'll get that job. I lost this girlfriend, I'll find another one. Lost my boyfriend, I'll find another one. Not me, but, you know, a girl. It's like we're on this mission to happen in our lives, and we're not really asking God for any input to get there. I I, I don't know, maybe this is just me. Anybody guilty as charged? Can I just see a hand? (laughs) It's like we're, it's, it's what I call the curse of self-sufficiency, and it's the absence of the spiritual rhythm that God wants us to possess in the way we walk, not just walking in the Spirit, but keeping in step with the Spirit. Whenever He's going fast, I'm discerning enough because I've been in the Word, I know when He's going fast, and so I'm picking up the pace. And when He slows down, I'm not running ahead wondering, where is God right now? I'm realizing He slowed down, therefore I will slow down. I don't have the answer. I know in part. Have you ever read that verse that you know in part and you prophesy in part? but we in the curse of capability land, we know in part we begin to prophesy in full. We know in part we begin to plan in full. We know in part we take any piece and we just make it happen because we're absolutely capable of making something happen. That's called Ishmael. Wait on the Lord. And this, this takes practice. How many of you know this takes practice? Even our devotions, come on, let's just get honest. Even our devotions. Once we get committed to a devotion routine, then we get our devotion done, and then we go on about our day. And the next day we get our devotion done, and we go on about our day. Did you know that reading the Bible without any reflection or meditation is like eating food without chewing it? Taking some time with God and allowing Him to speak to you. And that's why I want to introduce to you and reiterate to you over and over and over in every new family that comes, when we go through these five weeks of discipleship, this will be a huge focus for us. Turn the page challenge. I know it's so old hat for so many of you. But let's take a moment and let's think about what this challenge really is all about. Because it's not just about you and the way you seek God. It's about you and the legacy that you will leave as you awaken this that is so simple in the lives of your children and your children's children. Tammy Lowe is back to my left. Tammy and Darren, uh, they have uh, three children. One of their sons, Zach Lowe, is one of our teachers who left for the lunch. And uh, they now have children. And so, so Tammy went on this journey when I started introducing the Turn the Page Challenge that she was going to take the turn the page challenge. And it's pretty simple. You start in the book of Genesis and every day you turn the page and you write the date at the top of the page. Go read Proverbs, go read Psalms. If you want to read more than just the two pages there, read something else, but stay the course every day, turning the page, putting the date at the top and commemorating any event that's going on. Happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday to Lexi. Uh, I've written those things. Faith, Faith's first steps, Lexi's first steps. Those are all in my turn the page Bibles. And so I gave this challenge 
challenge. Tammy actually took me up on it. She started down this journey. She has three children. She has now done Turn the Page, journaling through three different Bibles, and she's given those three Bibles to her three children. And Zach Lowe came to me, her son, and he said, man, this is just incredible. As I'm reading what my mom was writing, he, I don't know what all you wrote in there, Tammy, but he began to say to me, you know what? The struggle is real in all of our lives. And here's a time where she was walking through a challenging time. And she, I see that my mom was so faithful. And, and now Zach is introducing to his daughter Cadence. I like Cadence because it kind of speaks of rhythm, doesn't it? He's introducing this rhythm to his little girl. So we've got three generations of turn the page people that I believe God wants to awaken. One day, Cadence is going to have children who have children. Cadence grandchildren are going to look at great, great, great grandma Tammy's Bible that talked about Cadence's father, and her faith from this generation is going to impact a legacy of, of faith beyond this world that you and I will ever finish our lives in. Do you understand? Generations beyond us can be impacted by our faith. It's a rhythm, and it's a rhythm that outlives you, and it's a rhythm that outlasts you, and that's the way God is. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I want you to think if your, if your great-grandfather was in the war, and he was carrying a Bible and journaling in it. How many of you would be, that'd be like a treasure? You'd want to have that. And so I've got a picture of that. And I want you to see and just kind of think about what the treasure is that you would hold in your hand if that were your grandfather's Bible. And then the next one, if you know who Smith Wigglesworth is, he's an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, impacted his world. These are some friends of ours who actually had the opportunity to hold Smith Wigglesworth Bible in their hands. Come on, I, I, I would love to have that privilege, that opportunity. You see the value in what they're holding in their hands. He didn't just do digital reading. This was analog. This was like touchable stuff. And then like we're working on this in a practical way. Here uh, five years ago, almost to the date, I was saying happy birthday uh, to Lexi. And I just journaled that. She was 14 years old. Tracy, she does her Bibles a little nicer than I do. She gets pretty artistic. And that's what this next picture is. We were on a vacation and, uh, and she and the girls were working on you know, celebrating whatever, that was probably uh, Noah's Ark. And so uh, then the next one shows where, you know, we started introducing this in discipleship format within the church. And then Tracy had the idea to introduce it with Mrs. Potter to the art class in our school. And so we've got the students in our art class now in our school taking the turn the page challenge and kind of understanding what that's about, interacting themselves with the scripture that exists in their heart. And I, I listen, when you start down this journey... <laughs> And you start in the book of Genesis. It's really interesting. Like in the beginning, all this stuff happens and, you know, Adam and Eve and you know, the stories that we hear. And then you get into Exodus and it's kind of cool. Like, man, they're out of Egypt. And, and then like out of Exodus, you start getting into these books called like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And some of that stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. Has anybody ever read the Bible and you read stuff that didn't make a lot of sense? Can I just see? The next statement I'm going to make is hugely important. You will not read your Bible correctly if you don't understand this. You are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. And God's Word is a treasure that is entrusted to your care with the power and capacity to transform your life. Therefore, when you read a few pages about the Levitical law and all the number of, of tribes that are 
you know, at different sides of the tabernacle, and, and it doesn't really seem to, to register in your brain. What you do is you read those pages, and then you close that book, and you sit there with God, and you give Him thanks for the treasure of Scripture. Whether your mind gets it or not, you're nourishing your spirit. And the Word is attached with the Spirit of God. And I, I, there's something about rhythm, the rhythm of the Spirit. And we'll help you understand the things of Scripture as you progress along. Again, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to just empower you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And I want you to know that we uh, took two years to do this. And on Sunday morning, I spoke, many of you were here during this time, but I spoke on where Jesus is uniquely revealed in each and every book of the Bible. And it's crazy, but Jesus is in every book and very prevalently so. And so we talk about the history and the context in Genesis and where Jesus is revealed. Jesus is revealed in the first five words in the book of Genesis in the original Hebrew language. And it's pretty bizarre. I won't go into it, but it's online. And, and I encourage you as you're turning the page and you get to the next book, when you get to Obadiah, pause and go listen to that 30, 40-minute message online. And it's uh, just Jesus in the Bible destinyokc.com, Jesus in the Bible. And all 66 messages are there as you're turning the page. If you want to grow in a particular rhythm of prayer, then I encourage you the next uh, segment that you can see online, destinyokc.com forward slash rhythm of prayer. And I break down the days of the week and even the origin of the day and why it's a significant day. How many of you know that Monday gets a bad rap? We wake up on Monday, and it's like, oh, man, it's Monday. How you doing? Well, it's a Monday. You know, God doesn't view Monday that way. God sees Monday as a day of new beginnings and a week full of opportunity that he has purposed and planned for your life. And if you'll get your head screwed on straight and your heart aligned with him, you'll start to have a a spirit of expectation and faith on Monday. I don't know if you realize it or not, but voting happens on Tuesdays. Politicians go to war on Tuesdays. And I explain why Tuesday is such an important day for warfare and, and understanding what's actually released on Tuesdays. And, and each day of the week has utter significance in the way we should learn to pray. We shouldn't just walk through this thing and like, oh, I hope it all works out. One day I'm going to get to heaven. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking as many people as I can with me into the kingdom of heaven. How about you? I'm not just going to go there casually. I want to go and leave a trail of saved souls and empowered people and inspired lives. And the greatest gift you can give your world, the greatest gift you can give your family, the greatest gift you can give your friends, come on, the greatest gift you can give your church is an inspired, vibrant you. Come on, let's stand. We need to learn what it is to live inspired, vibrant lives. Are you living a life that's inspired by God? That's a pretty challenging statement. Are you living a life that is truly inspired by God? Jesus didn't die so you could merely go to church. He died so you could become the church he desires for you to be in your everyday life. It begins first by coming alive spiritually. And then, after you come alive spiritually, that's called salvation. Then you make Jesus Lord of your life every day for the rest of your life as he awakens so much more. How many know he has so much more? 
Like somebody in this room has grown with God more than everybody else in this room. Think about that for a moment. I don't know who that is. I, I, it would not be me. There's, there are people in this room, they have you know, spent their life, like childhood growing up, they've grown with God. And I just want to say to you, no matter how far you've grown with God, there's always more for you to experience. Boy, I want more. Will you take a step forward? Take a step forward in your faith and your walk? Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand that you do give to us as a possession. And it's up to us to respond to the appetite that you place within us as a gift from God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. So we want to just pause for a moment and cooperate with the hunger. We want to pause for a moment and cooperate with the thirst, that which you have awakened within us today even. Help us, Lord, to put into motion a greater pattern of pursuit so that we're more awakened to the purposes of God and the way we live our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Just eyes closed, heads bowed, just for a moment. If you're here, you say, I don't know Jesus, and I want to accept Christ today. I want to start to serve the Lord. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Is that anybody in this room? I just don't know that I'm where I need to be in my relationship with God. Thank you. Anybody else? Just quickly. Thank you. Come on, let's pray this out loud with these who've lifted their hands. Would you say this out loud? Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, and you died so that I could have life. I accept you're the Savior of the world, and you're my Savior. Rescue me from my sins and be Lord of my life all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's give thanks today.